The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hello, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together to discuss all kinds of healing. And this is something the world needs a lot of these days, now more than ever. If you're new to my show, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. We have a fantastic guest today. We're going to talk about radical loving, something that I think we need a lot of. And if we're going to talk about healing, radical loving is like on the top of the list. In this challenging time we live in, there's certainly this ominous feeling of the world breaking apart. And we're, we're just getting uh, sort of the paradigms are getting shattered in all these different ways as, as we open up um, and our long held beliefs are changing. So it's a good thing we have people like Rabbi Wayne Dosick who we have on the um, on the call today. And he wrote this beautiful book called Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People, as a way to share his, um, his sort of version of conversations with God, with the world, with us today. Um, welcome so much, Rabbi Dasik. How are you? And thanks for being on the show with me. Well, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm glad you're feeling well after your... Uh... You're about with COVID, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely, um, it wasn't any fun at all. But I'm, I'm glad to be uh, back in the saddle. So, um, so you have been a writer, an educator, a spiritual guide for a long time. Um, really counseling people about faith, about ethical values, about life transformations, and evolving human consciousness. I think you've, you've written. Is it? Um, nine books or more than that. This that, is the tenth, right? This is the tenth. Yeah, this is the tenth book. Um, and and I'm so glad that you're out in the world right now, sharing your spiritual wisdom. We need it more than ever. Thank you, thank you. So let's hear a little bit about this latest book. So I took one look at the world and the mess that we're in, and the racism and the sexism and the Islamophobia and the anti-Semitism and the conflict and tensions between religious and cultural groups and what's going on in the streets of America and the guns and the hunger and the poverty and the greed. And I said, we've got to do better than this because if we don't, this is going to break us apart. Mm. And so how do we how do we do better? Well, we realize that we are all one people. We are one people with one God who created us all. And that God loves us all. And that God doesn't play favorites saying, uh, you're better, you're better. You know, the, the theme song of the world seems to be, my God's better than your God, and my yeah. scriptures are better, and my principles and core values are better, and my nation is better because God loves me more. What's well, absolutely impossible because there's only one God, one God loves us all, 
when God created us all, God doesn't play favorites. We call God by many different names, just like in a family. Somebody says mom or somebody says mommy or somebody says mama or daddy, pops, father. But it's one God who created us all, who loves us all, and who says to us, stop fighting with each other. Stop thinking that one is better than the other. You are all the same. You are all united in purpose. I created you for a reason, to be my co-creative partners there on earth. And it is time for you to understand that you have to get it together to be together, lest you perish together. Hmm. Yeah, it does sort of feel like perishing is a possibility. And, you know, um, it's very it's very scary. I mean, it's such a strange time that we're living in right now. Do you why do you think hate is so prevalent? Has it always been there? Is it rising to the surface? Like what what's going on that hate is coming up so much right now? Well, in America, you know, the goal of America was to be a multi, uh, melting pot, to be a, a nation that takes in people from everywhere. Mm. And we become one strong um, group of people with the same purpose and the same goals. And lately, we have become a frayed patchwork quilt. Instead of striving for the common good, we strive for our own self-interest. You know, growing up, I was a great, great baseball fan. Highlight of my childhood was 1959 when the Chicago White Sox won the pennant. And I love baseball to this day. And so I'm sorry to say this. And I know that it's labor unions on which the, the back of America was built. But when free agency came to baseball in the early 70s, instead of being all for the team, you know, we all knew all the team players and we knew their numbers and, and they would, they, since they didn't make tons of money, they would all come to the Cub Scout dinners and the brownies uh, cookie sale and the church and the synagogue dinners and shake hands and say hello. And during the winter, they'd work in the community selling insurance or cars. We knew them. We could say hello to them. Uh, one of the players, grandmas lived in my neighborhood. He would come visit grandma and throw out a, a couple of balls to the guys, you know, we play on the playground. And so the team was was united for the city. And then with free agency, we all began to, the, the players began to say, my statistics, my batting average, my ERA, uh, my RBI, so I can sell myself to the next highest bidder when my time uh, for a new contract comes. And that has become a theme of America. Not the common good, not the greatest good, but me, me, me. Huh. And Conversely, not me. I'm not responsible. I'm not the. I'm not the perpetrator. I'm the poor victim. Not me. And so what we have is this frayed patchwork quilt. Instead of striving for the common good, for the greatest good, for the highest good. Hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of like the age of narcissism, isn't it? You know. It yeah. And what do you think can be done to to change that? You know, is it love the way you're talking about? What, what can well, we do? Well, it, is, it, is, it is radical loving. Radical loving in many ways means seeing the face of God in every human being. Mm. Each of us is created in the image of God, and each of us reflects the face of God. If I look in the mirror, what do I see? I see the face of God. And therefore, if I look at you, I see the face of God. And hopefully, if you look back at me, 
you see the face of God reflected in me, reflecting to you. And so if we see the face of God in another human being, there's only only one possible response, and that response is love. Mm. I respond to you in love. And so instead of seeing people in their difficulties, we can see them in love. So if you if you if you walk into the convenience store and the, the teenage clerk can't make change for a dollar bill without uh, using a little computer, or if you stand in line at the bank and the teller takes forever and you're fuming in line, or if somebody cuts you off in traffic and you say, what's wrong with that person? How could a person behave like that? The answer is that person is a child of God. That person is reflecting the face of God and you need, you want to see that person as that child of God. And when you do that, our only response is love. And then we go back and take the responsibility that is the responsibility of each human being, and that is to care for each other. Hmm. We are people, human beings, who need to make the life of another as precious to us as our own. And if your life, Lisa, is as precious to me as my life is to me, then I can only treat you with goodness, with kindness, with compassion, with love. Hmm. That's beautiful. I, I do think that's a foreign idea for where we are right now. How, how do we go from kind of like the selfie generation to thinking about it that way? Well, it starts easy. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do things on, in, in, the, in the macro level. We can do things on the micro level. Just give me an example. I, I, um, I came up with this idea called F-A-N-A-M-I, find a need and meet it. So years ago, when my kids were little, there was an ancient sage who taught that if he needed one piece of meat, he went to the marketplace and he bought two. If he needed one bunch of vegetables, he would buy two, one for himself and one for the hungry in his, in his town. And so when my kids were little, the plan was that every time we went to the grocery store, we would buy one extra item of non-perishable food, a can of tuna fish, a jar of peanut butter, a box of mac and cheese, a box of cereal, and we wouldn't even take it into the house. we just put it in a brown paper sack in the trunk of the car, and when the sacks were full, we would take them to the local food pantry. So one day I'm in a store with my, my son, who was then five or six, and I took a box of Cheerios off the shelf, and I said to him, how about this for our food gift for today? And this little precocious five-year-old grabbed the box out of my hand and said, no. And I said, honey, why not? And he marched back to the shelf and put it on the shelf and then stood on his tippy toes and picked up another box of cereal. And he said, this will be our food gift for today. And I said to him, what's the difference? He said, look, Dad, there are hungry kids out there and kids like Frosted Flakes, better than we like Cheerios, we're getting sugar Frosted Flakes today. In an instant, that child taught me to see not the face of a category, the poor, the hungry, the needy. He taught me to see the face of a child who's hungry and likes one cereal better than another cereal. Mm-hmm. And so find a need and meet it. Um. In 1996, a long time ago now, 
Our house burned down in a Southern California wildfire. We lost everything. We lost our house, the place we live, and everything in it. So one of the kindest, sweetest, gentlest, and wealthiest men I knew got in touch with me. And he said to me, Rabbi, what's mine is yours. Anything you want, you just ask. What was I going to do? Say, buy me dinner, buy me a suit, build me a house? I mean, what do you say to to an offer like that? And if you think about it, we often do that in a time of tragedy. Somebody dies, and we say, anything you need, just call on me. I'm right here for you. I'm all with you. You're, you're my brother. You're my sister. Anything you need. And no one ever calls. So what, what would it be if F-A-N-A-M-I, find a need and meet it? Will you say to the mourner, I understand your Uncle Charlie's coming in for the funeral. What time is this plane? I'll go to the airport and pick him up. Mm-hmm. Or... Uh, do you have enough shirts or are they all at the dry cleaners? I'll go pick up your dry cleaning for you. Huh. Or don't worry about the kids tonight. I'll take them out for pizza and then we'll play in the park. Find a need and meet it. Help another human being. And one by one by one, we add these, these acts of loving kindness to our lives. And they begin to spread. Because if I do an act of loving kindness to you, you're very likely to understand that, to remember it, and to do it for the next person. And with all due respect to the bumper sticker maker, it is not an act of a random act of kindness. Do a random act of kindness. No, it's an obligated act of kindness because each human being is obligated to take care of and to care about his her fellow human beings. It's beautiful. So love is acts of service. And obligated service and also maybe targeted service. Like you're talking about, like if you can identify a need and meet it before someone has to ask for it, it's very hard to ask for help, I think, sometimes too, right. isn't it? And love is responding to hatred and to anger and to fear to respond with love. Because if we respond with fear, then we get a circle of fear and fear yeah. circles and spirals. Yeah. And if we respond with love, then love circles and spirals. I think it's so hard not to respond with more hate when we're confronted with hate. Sure it is. Sure yeah. It is. I remember not, not long before the pandemic, um, Ellen and I, my wife and I were at a play downtown at the Old Globe Theater here in San Diego. And uh, it was a, quite a long walk to the parking lot. So by the time we got there, most of the cars had already left. And surrounding our car was a bunch of garbage. Uh, old takeout containers and beer bottles and soda bottles. And I I knew I had to move them before I could move the car. Otherwise, I might uh, run over one of the the bottles and slash the tires. So I'm I'm picking up this stuff and walking into the garbage can, which is not that far away, thinking these kids who left this here could have done this too. And as I'm doing this, some uh, other couple is walking to their car, and she looks at me and she says, you know, it's not our world anymore. It's their world. No, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that. And I was not a happy camper while I was walking filthy garbage to the garbage can. And I was ready to shout out, what the hell is wrong with you people? Why can't you clean up after your own mess? And then I thought, what if I shouted out instead, oh, you poor dears who didn't know that I was going to come here and I'm older than you are and I, it's uh, harder for me to bend down and I shouldn't have to pick up garbage and it's late at night 
And um, I love you. I love you. Learn to love each other. Learn to love your fellow human being. Now, would that have made a difference? Of course not. But instead of shouting out hatred or disdain to the world, I would have shouted out love to the world. And very easily, possibly, that might have spiraled back. Now, you, Lisa, I know, might call me naive. And I understand that. Lots of people are calling me a ridiculous idealist and an ide- a naive idealist. But the reality is, take a look at this. Back in 1987, you look too young to remember. But back in 1987, we had this thing called the harmonic convergence. Remember I do remember. That? I was uh, in college. All right. So there you go. So we all stood around, held yeah. around the world, stood hands and sang songs. Uh, yes. Stood around, held hands, sang songs of peace and love. And we thought we were going to change the world. And the whole world laughed at us. What fools, what silly people you are. And within two years, the Soviet Union had fallen. All the satellite countries around the Soviet Union had fallen. Blacks and whites were riding the bus together in Johannesburg. Protestant Catholics stopped shooting each other in Northern Ireland. And Israelis and Arabs sat down once in a while at a peace table. Now, did that happen because we were all singing songs? Probably not. However, we sent the love vibration to the heavens. And the love vibration spiraled back to us. And it can't, you know, everybody think about, you you don't want to think about it on a world basis. Think about it in your household. Come home for dinner. There's mom, dad, the kids, or mom and mom and the kids, or dad and dad and the kids, whatever your family configuration And if people walk in and say, hi, how are you? How was your day? Hope everything was great. You create one kind of atmosphere in the home. If you come in and say, ah, what a terrible day I had. And the kid in the parking lot, uh, the kid in the the, uh, playground picked on me. And my boss was horrible to me today. And the car had a flat tire. That creates an atmosphere in the home. And that will last the entire evening. Hmm. So it's micro, it's macro. And I love how you you start your book with really like a conversation you're having with God. You're sitting on the park bench and you're talking to God. How did that come that come to you? Was well, that was that a real thing? Did you have that conversation? I always have conversations with God. I always have conversations with God. You know, uh prayer, prayer has two aspects, and people always remember the first and forget the second. The first aspect of prayer is you talk to God. Hmm. The second aspect is you listen when God talks to you. Yeah. Because God talks to us all the time. We are in constant, deep, personal, intimate, loving relationship with God. We just have to open our hearts and our minds to that. And so we say, oh, yes, it was Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the prophets of old who heard from God. Moses at the burning bush. Elijah in the cave. You on a park bench. You pillow talk with God every night because God knows you and God loves you and God wants to be in relationship with you. So each one of us is a prophet. Being a prophet is is not a soothsayer or a a fortune teller. Being a prophet is being a messenger of God. It means to listen, listen, uh, to hear or to envision or to dream by day or to dream by night. And God will come to us with a message. Sometimes it's a message just for us. Sometimes it's a message for the whole world. And so we can be in that intimate conversation with God all the time, everywhere, because God is everywhere. God's just not in in the synagogue or the church or the mosque. 
God is not just in a particular place. That's our where that's our awareness, that's our consciousness. That's what I call oneness consciousness, the whole world being one. Turn here, turn there, turn here, turn there's God. Hmm. Say hi. So we're here today with Rabbi Dosik and his beautiful book, Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. Um, so Rabbi, do you think that there's sort of a spiritual evolution that we're going through where we can see the one the one God? You know, and I, I grew up Unitarian, um, which is very ecumenical and and very, you know, um, more towards this, has a spiritual one God kind of um framework than some other religions do you do you think we're evolving where we can see things as one god do you think that our our personal ability to speak to god directly is part of this evolution absolutely and what we are doing is we're realizing the mistake that we've made all these millennia what's the mistake the mistake was the jews came along and said ah god gave us the bible which must be better a wisdom than the pagans have and then Christians came along and said, ah, God gave us the New Testament, which is replacement theology for the Hebrew Bible. And then the Muslims came along and said, ah, God gave us the Quran, which must be superior to all that came before us. And then the Eastern religion said, well, look at what God gave us and the Native American tribes. Everybody thinks that his, her wisdom, the wisdom of his, her particular group is better it's not. It's an addition to, because mm. human consciousness is constantly evolving. Human wisdom and learning is constantly evolving. And God says, I have more to teach you. I have more to teach you than I taught the people in the desert, than I taught the people on the mountain, than I taught the people in the valley, than I taught the people uh, on the native plain. And so each one adds to, adds to. And every great wisdom teacher is uh, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Mohammed, Mother Teresa, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Every world wisdom teacher belongs to the whole world because wisdom doesn't belong to any one group. It belongs to the universe. It belongs to all of us. So our awareness is becoming more and more and more that it's all good that it's all wise, that it's all wonderful. And, and there are different pathways to that same, to and from that same wisdom. It's all the same beginnings and ends, from God to God. And along the way, we build different pathways. And some pathways are, are wide and some are narrow, and some we go merrily singing, and some we go in silence. I taught for... Uh, 17 years at the University of San Diego, a private uh, diocesan liberal arts Catholic university here in San Diego. Hmm. I was a rabbi on a faculty of a, of, a, of, a, of a Catholic university. This is the kid who on the old south side of Chicago, when I was growing up, I was beaten up by the kids who went to the Catholic school for killing their Lord. Oh. And in high school, and we're walking between periods of classes, and this girl comes running up to me. She said, Wayne, Wayne, I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> what did I do this poor girl? I said, for what? She said, I forgive you, forgive you for killing Christ. I said, what are you talking about? That was 2,000 years. I wasn't there, and I didn't know him. And besides that, it was the Romans, not the Jews. She said, ah, 
but I learned it was the Jews. And now the Pope just said, we can't blame the Jews anymore. That, of course, was Vatican II, Pope Pius, uh, Pope John XXIII. And um, from that time, we have, we have great uh, ecumenism, deep ecumenism growing, so that a rabbi can teach on a faculty of a Catholic university. One of my closest, dearest, most intimate friends in the world is a Jesuit priest who was on that faculty as well. He's now moved back to his province in Milwaukee. He didn't know a Jew until he was 21 years old. And we walked around campus together. And one day, a young man came up to us. He said, Father, Rabbi, could I talk to you? Sure. Um, He said, I want you to know that I came to this campus. I had never met a Jew before. And I have to admit that I was pretty prejudiced against Jews. But I see the two of you walking around campus and teaching in each other's classes and having lunch together in the cafeteria. And I figure if you can be friends, there must be something to it. You two are a living sermon, this young man said. And I'm going to go meet some Jews and become friends. It's beautiful. Yeah, wow. it's amazing. That's now, like Pablo turning around like thousands of years of, of, of prejudice and hatred in that moment. Exactly. Father O'Leary does not want me to be Catholic. And I don't want him to be Jewish. He used to come to my Yom Kippur services, and I would go to to uh, Christmas and Easter Mass with him. Mm. We appreciated the beauty of the differences, because oneness and oneness consciousness does not mean sameness. Right. There's beauty in the differences, and at the same time, overriding is the oneness consciousness that we are all children of the one God. Rabbi, how can people find your your work and your book? Ah, well, bookstores, uh, any of the .com um, online bookstores, Amazon.com, Bookstore.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Indie.com, Howells.com, any of those places, you can buy the book. Oh, look, there's a picture of it right there. Right. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a hardcover book, which will actually, it's not out until May 21st. Okay, so it's coming out soon. So they can pre-order it on Amazon. Pre-order on Amazon. Yeah. Here's, here's, I'm holding up a copy of the book. I just got, there it is. I oh, just got beautiful. my first copy two days ago. It's, it's always an exciting days. moment, isn't it? Yeah, it was terrific. Always, you know, you open the carton of books and, you know, seven things you want to change already, right? Uh, and um, so it's in all those places. And then under construction, but will be up soon, is the website, which is called RadicalLovingBook.com. And there you can learn more about the book. And also there, you we have made a companion musical accompaniment. Wow. Now, we used to call these CDs. Nobody uses CDs anymore. Although if you want to buy a hard copy CD, you can buy one from the website. But you'll also be able to listen on iTunes and Spotify and from the website. Uh, there'll be three or four of the chants up there. And then you can buy the rest of the CD or whatever it's called. Um, and all these chants are there because, you know, chanting is different. It talks to a different part of the brain. Yeah. It comes into the deep depths of our of our being. I and love so there's chant. a chant for each of the ideas in this book, which uh, which you can take with you anywhere you go and, um, and uh, be reminded of the concepts and the ideas of the book. Thank you so much for being with us today, Rabbi, and thank you so much for continuing to add to your incredible wisdom with yet another book and your contribution to the world that way. A great pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
And thank all of you for watching or listening to us. Um, if you want to come and visit me, you can find me at lisacampion.com. I hope you come by and visit. And in the meantime, uh, thanks so much for joining us where we are healing the planet 1% at a time right here on Empower Radio. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.